All right, well, our topic again is godly women. Today's lesson starts the Proverbs 31 woman, which in all honesty, when pastor was teaching this, made me want to crawl under the chair more than any of the others. So uh, just to prepare your hearts a little bit, there's a lot in this lesson, and we only get ha halfway through the Proverbs 31 woman today. So uh, we'll have a continuation of her next week. But if we look to our lesson, it tells us that the Proverbs 31 may be the most famous of all Bible passages describing the qualities God desires to see in his daughters. Let us analyze this passage verse by verse. And that, that says there, you know, just before we get started, there's a ton in here. We won't get to it all. There are books written on Proverbs 31. So let this be study notes for you that you can just take home and further put this into your heart for your own lives. But Proverbs 31 starts out verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. And our uh, curriculum goes on to say that different translations include a capable wife is a rare find, a worthy woman, a wife of strength, a wife of strength and character, a vigorous wife, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. So we see right there the way that those words can be translated uh, has a lot for us. You know, it, it says we should be intelligent, and that's not talking about Ph.D. God's not saying everyone has to have a master's degree in college, but a godly woman exercises godly wisdom. And the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's our starting place. We have to be in fear of the Lord, walking with Him on a daily basis, talking with Him, putting His, His holy word into place, into practice in our own lives. Um, and a virtuous woman, she has strength, she has good character. All of those are words that we should be, you know, asking ourselves, does this apply to me? Do I have good character? Do I have, do I operate in wisdom? Can someone come, excuse me, come to me? And I have the words of life, of eternal life. I have God's words to give to them. Because if you're not putting God's words in you, you won't have those words to give to other people when they come for help, including your children. When they need help or they have problems, if you don't have God's word in you, you won't have God's answer for, the, for even your own children. So back to our curriculum, it says, This type of woman is rare and hard to come by and is therefore precious. As a rarity, she is to be valued as a precious gem. A godly woman will work hard to make sure she keeps her value by staying godly in this wicked and selfish day. And, and we know that we have to stay godly. Because many, many, many people have started this Christian walk and failed. I don't believe any of them set out to fail. I don't believe that was their purpose from the beginning. I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly for 10 years, and then I'm just going to bomb it real big. I don't think that was their intent, but it is a wicked world that we live in, so we have to make sure that we keep that rarity. Our curriculum goes on to say, if a Christian woman acts as the world does, she will become a dime a dozen. She'll be common and she will lose her rarity and value. You know, and maybe you can think of someone in your life that has walked away from the things of God. They no longer look elegant, they no longer look pretty, the words of their mouth are harsh and no longer sweet and edifying. So we have to make sure that we stay rare. First of all, that we are rare, that we're walking with God on a daily basis and that we do live differently than the world. But we have to make sure that we continue to live differently than the world. You know, a rarity is worth a lot, and the more that the Word of God operates in, in your life, the greater value you're going to be to your husband, to your children, to the kingdom of God, to your employer. 
You know, you can have godly wisdom on your job. Things that God will speak to you for, for your employer that if your employer is not born again, he may never even hear, may never even know. So it's important that we have that walk with God, that we keep that rarity. Verse 11 goes on to say, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. And the amplified version of that says that he, uh, his heart trusts in her, that he relies on and believes in her. You know, she's dependable to her husband. Her husband can trust her. You know, your job as a wife is to protect your husband. You know, he's, he's a human. He's going to have faults. He's going to have failures. He's going to have insecurities. He's going to have hopes, dreams. He needs to be able to safely trust all of those things in you and know that you're not going to tear him down tomorrow because he shared an insecurity with you today. You're not going to hold it over his head tomorrow or beat him up with it later down the road, but you're going to pray for him. You're going to encourage him. You're going to provoke him to good works. You're going to encourage him in the things of God. You're not going to hold that over his head or beat him up with it or share it with your mama when you talk to her on the phone or share it with your girlfriends because women like to talk and your husband should be your best friend, not anyone else. If you are a married woman, your husband should be your best friend. You shouldn't have a best girlfriend that it's easier for you to talk to than your husband. You shouldn't be able to easily tell what your husband entrusts to you to someone else based on our scriptures here. He needs to be able to safely trust in you. Our curriculum says that a godly woman's lifestyle earns her husband's heart of trust. You know, so that takes us back to the first verse there, verse 10. If you're living like the world, if you're not living a life according to God, if you're not living according to the scriptures, if you don't have a daily walk with the Lord, your husband doesn't know if he can trust in you because you act just like the heathen people that he works with. You're no different. So we have to make sure that we're different and our lifestyle lives that out. Once a woman has earned her husband's heart, she should value that trust above all things. You know, in my opinion, it's my opinion, aside from Jesus, the husband, your husband is the greatest gift on this earth that God could give you. That's my opinion. There's no scripture for that that I know of. But, but you should value that. That's a treasure. That's a gift from God. And any woman that was a Christian before she got born again was believing God for a husband. You know, she would say, Lord, I want a husband. Lord, I want someone I can take care of. We need to make sure that we continue to treasure that just like we did before we said, I do. His trust guarantees that he will not have any need of spoil. The word spoil here is representative of adultery. And adultery isn't just sexual, how, although it is. You know, if your husband can trust in you, if he can be open with you, if he can let down his guard, you know, because men have a little bit of pride in them, that manly, I, I, I can do all things, I can, they have a little bit of that in them, but your husband needs to be able to be vulnerable around you and still be okay. But if he can't be vulnerable with his secrets, why on earth would he want to be vulnerable with his body or with his desires, his hopes? Why would he want to do that for someone that's hurting him? Nobody wants to be open with someone that's hurting them or putting them down or nagging or criticizing them. You know, as a woman, you don't want to be open with someone that's that way. And men have emotions too. They don't want to be open with someone that's hurting them. So the word here, spoil, representative of adultery, not just sexual. Adultery is leaving your first love for a cheap replacement. 
Here, a man's trust in his wife keeps him from leaving her to chase other things, women primarily. You know, he doesn't have to chase other women if he knows he can come home to you. If he knows that his, his heart is secure in you, that his life is secure in you. He doesn't have to chase hobbies. He doesn't have to chase material goods. He, he doesn't have to put his whole heart into his work because he wants to come home to you. Now, men should work, and, and we're, not, we're talking about women today, what we can do to make sure that our men are happy. Um, and a man that trusts his wife wants to come straight home to her. He doesn't want to pick up that extra shift at work just because he dreads going home. You know, he doesn't want to go hang out with the guys after work because he knows his wife is at home waiting for him. But if his wife is at home nagging and being critical of him, uh, then he's not going to want to go there. You know, my husband said to me last night, he said, honey, you're my best friend. And I, I, that means a lot to me. Your husband should be able to say, honey, you're my best friend, and really mean that. And, and to me, I'm glad I'm, because I've known women where their husbands have five guy friends that they run with all the time. And your man needs to have some man fellowship, but you should be his best friend. But if you're not a lovely woman at home, if you act like the world or worse, he's not going to want to be there. He'll want to go hang out with the guys that say, man, you're doing a good job. How's work going? How's this going? How's that going? You know, we want our men to want to come home when we're ma married. And if you're single, that's something you desire for. Help me to be that woman that wants her husband wants to come home to. Verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And that goes back to uh, verse 11. You know, she'll do him good. And one of the ways that women do their husband bad is with their mouth. American women, women like to talk over opinionated. They don't know when to keep their mouth shut many times. That's one of the ways that you could judge your heart and say, do I always do my husband good with my mouth? Am I always saying encouraging, edifying things to him? We saw that last week. If you were in the teaching, you know, it's our job to edify. It's our job to build up. The Amplified Bible says she comforts, encourages, and does him good. A godly woman does, does good things, and that includes comforting and encouraging. Not nagging, you know, she's not critical. Like our last verse, she's not holding his weaknesses over his head, not saying, you never do this. Well, you know, this is broken in you. Why can't you fix this? You know, she's not griping. She's not bellyaching or putting her husband down. Um, and it's a sad statement for American women that, that that's a common thing for women to put their husbands down. I mean, if you turn on the TV, it's in sitcoms. So you have to be careful, again, like our first verse, what you're feeding on, making sure you're not acting like the world, not looking like the world, not feeding on the world, but feeding on God and his word and his ways for our lives. So a godly woman must be careful of the words of her mouth in all of her relationships, not just her marriage. Uh, Western women are overly opinionated, limit the opinions, and focus on comfort and encouragement. You know, and that, that over-opinionated, you know, comes back to, you know, you being overly familiar maybe with your husband, overly familiar with his position. And just because you have an opinion as a woman doesn't mean that it's right or that it even needs to be shared. And sometimes that's hard for us to hear. And like I said, this lesson made me want to crawl under the table because, you know, I share in somewhat of a, of a leadership role. He is the head, my husband, but we share in some degree. Some of, you know, he has given me authority, but that doesn't mean that my opinion even matters or that I even need to share it because God talks to him. 
My job is to pray for him. And if he asks me, then I can share it with him. You know, so we have to make sure as women that we're not overly opinionated, that we stay in our place, in our role, and pray for our husbands to excel in their role, to excel in their place. And, you know, a godly woman doing good things, comforting, encouraging, she's not undermining authority. You know, and as a woman of a house, have a household, you have children, you're teaching your children by your behavior. You know, if you're undermining authority, if you're nagging, if you're griping, that's going to be put into your kids by your example, regardless of the words that you tell them. They will see how you live it out at home, and that will be their example. So she does nothing evil to her husband. Verse 13 tells us she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Wool is a heavy material for cold weather clothing, and flax is lightweight material for warm weather clothing. You know, in this verse 13, she seeks it out. She's not lazy. She knows what to look for. Maybe she's asked what should she look for. She, she, and she's got some wisdom here because she now knows whether she asked for help or just knew it. She knows, I need some warm clothes. I need some cold clothes for my family. She's exercising wisdom there. This speaks of a godly woman's common sense. She has some street smarts about her. She's not flighty. You know, our curriculum says... She does not have to pray about every little thing. If it's raining, get an umbrella. You know, if you like fruity pebbles, buy fruity pebbles. You know, she doesn't have to pray about everything. She has some common sense about her. Not to say she's not praying, but she exercises common sense in running her home. She guides her house by simple wisdom and common sense, and she works willingly, not begrudgingly. No matter how boring her daily tasks might be, she performs them willingly because she performs them for those who are counting on her. And I think right there that that has that has helped me. I, I told my husband, you know, after studying some of these things out, I'm now more happy to fold laundry at my house. It makes me more happy now because I know that that pleases God. You know, whereas before you might have an attitude like, nobody appreciates what I do. They don't say thank you. My kids don't say thank you. My husband doesn't say thank you. But you'll find when we get through the end of Proverbs 31, she doesn't do any of this for a thank you. It doesn't say whether they did or didn't say thank you. I think manners are important. You should spank your kids if they don't say thank you, in my opinion. But she's not doing it for a thank you is my point. She's doing it because it pleases her God and it takes care of the people that she's responsible for. That's exciting to me as a woman, you know. And she's not looking for the next shiny thing. You know, how many know that folding laundry isn't the most exciting thing in the world or sweeping a floor, cleaning a toilet, or making dinner every night for your family? Maybe not the most exciting thing. Um, especially because you do it over and over again. But this woman isn't looking for the next shiny thing. She's happy to do willingly. She's willingly working with her hands in her home to take care of her responsibilities. Um, and I think, you know, we've just been taught that shiny, you know, we can drive through, we can have a new movie every week, like pastors talked about, you know, almost adult ADD. She doesn't have this. She works willingly with her, with her hands in her home to take care of those that are there. You know, and she expands her knowledge of how to better take care of her home. She sought out the wool. She sought out the uh, flax. She sought those things out. So maybe she had to, to go to Miss Susan and say, Miss Susan, you know a lot about fabric. Can you help me with this for my household? 
or Miss Melina, that recipe I had at your house was really good. Can you, can you give me that recipe so that I can make that for my house? Or, you know, Miss Sarah, you, your floors always look so clean. What do you do to clean your floors and make them look so good? She's getting further wisdom on how to take care of her home. You know, she's not just relying on what she knows and she's been taught. She's seeking these things out. She's trying to be more efficient, trying to be more balanced, trying to get things done better. You know, she uses knowledge that she lacks to better perform her skills rather than getting offended like uh, your husband says, Honey, Miss Sarah's floors always look so good. Why don't you ask her how they always look so shiny? Uh, well, you know, a prideful person would get offended about that. What do you mean? I don't, especially if you want to do a good job at your home. You know, what do you mean? I'm not doing a good job. I, I don't take good, good care of things. When well, he's not saying that, when you see your flaws in the Bible, we know that God rebukes those that he loves and he only does it to help us. So someone pointing something out as a flaw in the way you run your home or take care of your home, we should receive that as a good thing and better hone our skills, better, better, make more efficient use of our time. So verse 14, she is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. A godly woman goes the distance. She does whatever is necessary to provide for her own. This includes her husband, her children, and even her employees. And this here, you know, the merchant ships brought food in that day because they didn't have everything they needed in the land. Um, so she sought those things out again. You know, she's not being lazy. She's not just relying on what she knows. She's seeking things out. This shows that one of the strongest attributes of a godly woman is selflessness. And I think as just flesh, as an American, you know, many times we don't want to be selfless. But this woman puts everybody in front of herself, everyone in front of herself, that's something you can meditate on, I'm sure, as an American woman. <laughs> um, she does not work for herself, but for those in her care. And also, it says in, the, in those days, the merchant ships in Solomon's day were known for bringing in the very best from all over the world. So that tells us, you know, she had a heart for excellence. She wanted the absolute best, our curriculum says, that she could afford for her family. She didn't just want to settle for what they could get by with. And this is the opposite of possum holler, as pastor calls it, that way of thinking, the way, well, this is good enough. Well, this woman, for her family, good enough, what the land could provide for them wasn't good enough for her. She sought out excellence. You know, we know we have to be content with where we're at, uh, but we can still seek the best for where we're at and believe God to, to promote us further down the line because he sees us faithful with what he's given us for where we're at right now. I like uh, verse 15. It says, She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. This verse shows us that a godly woman doesn't make a lifestyle of sleeping late. She rises up early. It is still yet dark. And why, our curriculum says? To begin preparing the meals for the day. And I'm going to pause right there. I, in this, this verse in the Amplified, the word meat there, it talks about food in the Amplified, but it also says spiritual food. So before we look at the natural side, as a woman, a godly woman, this woman rises up early to provide spiritual food for her family. So she gets up early and prays for her kids, prays for her husband, prays for God to help her 
to walk in grace and humility and, and to let her words be lovely that day, let her words be encouraging that day. She's asking God for help for herself. You know, maybe she's praying for her church. But she rises up early to provide spiritual food for her family. She's putting God first in her life. We've got to do that as women. We can't just rely on coming to Sunday school and church three times a week if you come three times a week. That can't be enough for us. That won't provide us everything that we need for our, for our kids, for our family, for our daily walk. That we'll find ourselves back in verse 10, losing our rarity and not, you know, and acting more like the world because we have less of God in us. And we don't want that. You know, I, I don't believe you'll see as we keep getting further through this, I don't believe Superwoman could do all this without God. I don't believe the best African woman that's taught this from birth could do all this without God. You can't expect to get up and just start your day and go without God. We need God to do everything that we do in our lives. We, we just have to. That has to be a priority for us. God first, and then you're asking him to take care of the next important thing, which is your husband and your kids. You're asking him to help you make good use of your time, get things taken care of efficiently. So I, I like that part that the Amplified brings out. But it also talks about natural food. You know, and our... Um, Curriculum goes on to say that she begins preparing the meals for the day. And we do see this when we go to Africa. Even in South Africa, they start making those curries. When you, before you have breakfast, you can smell it cooking and your stomach starts turning a little bit. <laughs> if, you know, they start cooking for the day in the morning. They get up early and start preparing the day for their family. You know, as a woman, you'll see in our curriculum here, it says, she is the one that dictates the menu. Ladies, it is your job to dictate a healthy diet for your kids and for your husband. If your kids do not eat healthy, it is your fault. The school is not going to make them eat their green beans on their lunch tray every day. You, mama, have got to be the one to do that. If your kids don't know what vegetables look like and refuse to eat them, that is your fault. If they think a Cheeto is the only orange thing that they eat, you know, they've never seen a carrot, that's your fault. You know, and if you don't have healthy, healthy eating practices, our, our curriculum says, uh, put forth healthy eating habits. If you don't have any yourself, get some. There are tons of books on this stuff. You could Google it. You, I mean, and common sense tells you fruits and vegetables and lean things, you know, not eating out all the time, not McDonald's. You know, McDonald's is a fun treat. Sure, you know, have a pizza every now and then, but that should not be your lifestyle because you're going to teach your kids that that's what, that's what normal eating is. Then they'll get married and they'll, they'll just settle for that as well. Or if they're a woman, you'll teach her to get married and not know how to provide for her own family. You're doing her a disservice if you have little girls and you're not teaching them how to cook. You're not teaching them how to clean the house. You're not teaching them how to take care of their future family should the Lord tarry. You know, and if you have little boys, you've got to teach them what to look for in a woman. So it's, it's our responsibility, mother, to make sure that, that that happens for our kids. The Bible tells us as it goes in our curriculum here, as it goes with the mother, so it will go with the daughter. Godly women want healthy families. As for her maidens or her employees, the virtuous woman will both feed them and ensure that their duties are carried out. So this woman knows how to manage things. She manages her home. She also manages her employees. So she's got to have that time with God in the morning to get his wisdom to make all that stuff work. You know, and feminism doesn't teach us any of this stuff. You know, feminism, again, teaches you you've got to have a big fancy career, 
drive a big fancy car, all the while families are being neglected and falling apart. And, and you can see that in society. Families are neglected and they're falling apart. A lot of them are ruined, you know, because a lot of people just haven't been taught or don't want to do what God is, is teaching us to do in these scriptures. So we've got to make sure we're not that person. You know, with that diet thing, real quick, when Miss Jackie and Daniel were here for Daniel Eric Groves, I had the opportunity to have lunch with them, with her and the kids on the bus. And little Brecken, she said, I, I don't feed my kids sugar. I don't give them sugar. She said, I am that mom. I don't give them sugar. For lunch, Brecken ate a turkey dog. He had some cucumber slices, some tomatoes, some little cooked carrots, uh, and maybe a thing of string cheese. He didn't have any potato chips. He didn't have any junk food. But he, and he didn't fuss. He ate everything because that's what he knew. Kids are programmable. If you tell them this is what you eat, then this is what they'll eat. But if you let them choose, and I've seen that parents open the cupboard, honey, what do you want? Your five-year-old has no business picking what you have for dinner, <laughs> unless maybe it's his birthday and you let him pick where you go to eat or something. But you know, kids don't have a choice. They're gonna choose the wrong thing every time. The Bible says foolishness is sealed up in their heart. So they're not gonna make the right choices. You know, ask your husband maybe what he wants for dinner and make the kids eat whatever you fix. And you make sure that it's healthy. All right, verse 16. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. The Amplified Bible translate this, translates this verse as follows. She considereth a new field before she buys or accepts it, expanding prudently and not courting neglect of her present duties by assuming other duties. With her savings of time and strength, she plants fruitful vines in her vineyard. You know, this woman makes sure she can handle this field before she buys it. She makes sure she can handle this new project before she says yes. If you are a woman that can say no to no one but your husband and your kids, then you should meditate on this scripture right here. You know, if you're always out to please everyone, but you put your husband off and your kids off, but you say yes to everyone else, you're neglecting your present duties because your husband and your kids come first. You know, and our curriculum goes on to say that she's not hasty or fickle. You know, she, she asks for godly wisdom before she makes a decision. As a wife, your first line of, of authority is your husband. So, you know, even with the church, before you take on another project, consult with your husband. Say, honey, I'd really like to do this. I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. Pastor, you know, he's got the slide up that says they need a new, a new camera worker. I think I'd like to do that. Do you think that would be fitting? You know, it won't take away from any of my other time, or maybe it'll take this much time away, but I think I can still manage. Consult with your husband and make sure. Don't, don't say yes to everyone else and put your family off. And I'm not teaching you to neglect the house of God. Hopefully you hear my heart in that. She considers this field before she buys it. She doesn't take on more than she can handle. Because this woman is very busy, but there's still only 24 hours in a day. Excuse me, you've got to make sure that your priorities are in line. You know, you're not saying yes to your boss every, every time he asks you to, to do something extra, an extra project that pulls away from you, your time at home or whatever. We've got to make sure our priorities are in line. So our curriculum, she, a godly woman is not hasty or fickle. You know, fickle is she doesn't want the latest new shiny thing. Oh, this project sounds like fun. I'll do that. 
oh, this new project at, at church and I get to work with all the ladies. Oh, how fun that would be. Maybe it would be fun, but focus, woman. Focus on your priorities here. You know, our, our husband and our home needs to come first. And then if, there, if there's time left over or you can manage to make other, then absolutely fill that stuff up with serving God and helping on your job if you need to. But she's not easily distracted or bored of what she is currently doing to the point where she chases the newest shiny thing she sees. You know, and honestly, if your house is not running efficiently, um, you don't need another project. You need to worry about fixing the one that you have right now. Um, because your kids are going to grow up one day, for those of you that have kids or will have kids. And what you've put in them, you're shaping those arrows. They're going to go the distance that you shaped them to go. So we've got to make sure that, that that's a priority, that we're shaping them. We don't get distracted by something else just because maybe changing diapers and potty training and cleaning the house isn't what we think is the most glamorous thing to do. But again, that's what pleases our Jesus. That's what pleases God when we take care of those things. So that should be what pleases us. But if our heart has still been taught by America, then we say, Lord, help my heart to, to want to please you. Help my heart to line up with those scriptures. And he will. First, it just takes a willing heart. So she obtains wise counsel, which we mentioned, in her decision and does not take on more than what she can handle with excellence. Again, halfway doing a, a half a dozen things is not excellence. If you can't efficiently get, efficiently get the things done, then you need to assess your plate, talk to your husband, say, honey, I, I'm struggling here. I've taken on more. What should I cut away? What should I trim away? What can I excuse myself from? Her frugality affords her extra time and strength and even money. And with that, she adds a new project. So because she was efficient, I believe because she spent that time with God in the morning, he's able to help her, direct her. She has some extra time. She has some extra money. She's able to do some extra things with God's wisdom. Verse 17, moving along. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthening strengtheneth her arms. The Amplified Bible says she girds herself with strength, spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong and firm. Now here we see this godly woman is taking care of her body. She's taking care of spiritually because she got up in the morning. She's praying. She's talking to God. She's putting the word in her. Mentally, the Bible tells us, you know, what we basically what you look at is how you're going to think. If you're looking at magazines, if you're looking at the TV, if you're looking at your girlfriends at work, you're not going to think like they think. She's taking care. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, that's more important than your physical aspect. Physical is important, yes, but if you don't even know how to think, then you don't even know to think to take care of your body. If you don't know how to think in line with God's word, then your whole life is just going to be destruction. You know, so she's putting the word in her and her physical body. She's taken care of it. She's a strong woman, our curriculum says. Don't be deceived into thinking being godly will make you weak. And that's what, what our society teaches us. If you're a submitted woman, you know, if you take care of your home and you don't have a big fancy career, then you're a weak woman. But that is just a lie from the devil. It is an absolute lie that's crept into our country by rebellion and all sorts of other foolishness. But it's not based on God's word. I'm not saying don't have a job, but I'm saying don't be deceived that taking care of your home is God's priority for you. 
You know, I feel, you know, I, I work here at the church and other ladies I know work. When I first read through this, I thought, well, this doesn't apply because I, I work. Nowhere in these scriptures does it say that none of this stuff applies to you because you have a job outside your home. You have a more tricky task, yes, and I would encourage you that time with God in the morning is all the more important to ask Him, how, Lord, help me be a blessing on my job, but help me keep my first priorities first. You know, make use of your morning time, maybe use your lunch hour to prepare things for dinner, however you need to handle it, but it's even that much more tricky because, again, there's still only 24 hours in the day. So you've got to still work to keep your heart focused on the husband, your kids, your home, and then still being a blessing at your job so that you're not shorting your employer for, for what he or she's paying you to do. So she, she's, not a, she's not a weak woman, not at all. And again, that's just a lie from the devil in our society. As a woman of God, you will need strength in every arena, spiritual, mental, and physical. Make sure you take care of your body. You only get one body. You know, and again, it's one of the things pastors taught us that we are to be stewards over is our body. You are to be a good steward over your body. You can't possibly do all this stuff if you're sick or if your body's not working properly because we're not even halfway through this woman yet and she's still going next week. You know, there's a lot of things here that she's taking care of. You can't do that if your body's not working properly. You know, and again, that time with God in the morning, speak, speak life over your body, speak life over your family's body. You know, the Word of God is life. It, the Word says it, uh, it's life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. That's the best way you can take care of your body right there is by spending time in God's Word. And so hopefully you can see that that is our most important thing as a godly woman is spending that time with God, not just at church, but having a daily walk with Him for ourselves, for, for our family. You know, it is for our relationship with Him, but that helps us to do what He's called us to do. So she's not a weak woman. As a woman of God, you will need strength in every arena, spiritual, mental, and physical. Make sure you take care of your body. You only get one body. Also, the original Hebrew uses the word strength in this passage to refer to sex. That's from uh, Pastor Bob Yandian. She strengtheneth her arms also means that she encourages her arms to meet her husband sexually. So we can see as a godly woman that that's part of what pleases the Lord as well. You know, and I think we mentioned before, before people get married... You know, they can't keep their hands off each other because sin, the devil tries to pervert the will of God. When they get married, they don't want to touch each other because the devil tries to pervert the will of God. But we can see that that pleases our Jesus. So, you know, we want to please Jesus. We want to please our husband. If, if that's lacking in your life or in your relationship, talk to God about it. Say, Lord, help me to desire my husband. Help that not to just be the last thing that happens in the day when he comes home. But that's a joy for us. That's a treat for us that we get to enjoy that time with one another. Because again, he's what you believe God for. He's the, he's the greatest gift that you have physically on this earth. You know, and, and we want to take care of that stuff. We want to treasure that stuff. We want to make sure that that's still important in our lives, even after she's done all of these other things, that her husband is still important to her in that way, that her heart still wants to do that. And I mean, I read it that, she strengtheneth her arms, so maybe she doesn't really feel like it. You know, as a woman, married woman, 
sometimes you just don't feel like it. But she says, no, I love my husband. I love this time together. She encourages her heart. She encourages her arms. No, I, I, I truly love my husband. I love that we get to be intimate. I love that we get to do this. So even though I don't feel like it, body, you're going to get up and do this. You know, I went for a run the other morning and one of the neighbors said, you just don't quit, do you? I said, sir, I'm trying not to. If I give my body an option, it says no. <laughs> so in this regard here, you know, you just don't give it an option. No, this, we love our husband. This is what we're going to do. Because flesh never wants to do the God thing. Flesh never wants to do the right thing. So she encourages herself, even if she doesn't feel like it. So verse 18, our last one here says that she perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. This woman, this righteous woman, has a humble confidence. And, and she has this confidence because she knows her things are being taken care of because she's doing it. You know, we talked about in some of our other curriculum, she knows the comings and goings of her home. She knows that her kids are on a good diet. She's, she's made sure that she's had time with the Lord. She's made sure that her family's covered in prayer because she did all those things. She didn't just hope that they got taken care of. She didn't let someone else do it for her, but she made sure all those things got done. So she has a confidence, humble. She's not a prideful woman, but she knows that things are good in her home because she's seeing to it that they are. Not good according to every kid has the latest Nintendo DS and all the games that go with it, but good according to God's scriptures good according to his blueprint. So she knows from experience and from the word what is good in her life and what is not good. So again, she's spending time in the word. She's able to see, yes, yes, Lord, I have these two things I know you're dealing with me about. Help me to get those fixed in my life. And hearing this curriculum, you've probably got at least two things you can work on in your life from this curriculum. But you can see that, just like we talked about before, you're not, you're not mad, you're not upset, you're not offended, but you're like, praise God, I can make that adjustment. If God's telling me this is his blueprint, then I can live up to that because I'm his child and he'll give me the grace to do it. So she knows what she needs to be doing and what she needs to stop. Again, you don't know that if you're looking at TV. You don't know that if you're always just talking to the girlfriends at the lunchroom, carnal girlfriends. You know, you don't know that if you're looking to the world for its way of thinking. You don't know what you need to stop. You know, I was talking with someone the other day and uh, they said, this, this situation came up and I said this, was I too hard? I said, probably not, but probably for that person's, maybe their flesh, they've never been taught that. But just because we haven't been taught it from the Word doesn't mean it doesn't still apply to us. So we've got to make sure that we're living in this book so that we know what it says for us. And when we hear services, like Pastor has said, if they prick your heart, maybe get the CD, take this curriculum home, study, study, study. Let the Lord show you other things that we, we don't have time to cover in here so that you can better get this perfected in your own life. We don't know what, what we need to do. We don't know what we need to stop unless we look to God. I mean, he tells us, I set before you life and death, and he still has to tell us which one to pick, choose life. Because we, we're just ignorant as humans, we just don't know. So we've gotta make sure we, we're in the Bible on a regular basis so that we can have the know, we can have God's know. So this woman 
is not lazy sleeping her life away. In all of these verses, she has yet to complain about being tired. <laughs> and I hear a chuckle. That's so true. I, you know, after studying this out, even yesterday, I, I was tired when I got home. But I was like, no, the virtuous woman doesn't get tired. I've got to unload the dishwasher. I've still got to do this and this. <laughs> you know, she doesn't complain about being tired. Not one time has she said, oh, honey, I just need to take a nap or we'll do that tomorrow because I, I just don't feel like it today. I said, Lord, help me in this regard right here because there's never a shortage of things to do. Um, and I guess you could get to the point where you just run yourself ragged and you do need to sit down and take a break. But I'm not sure many American women are to that point. A lot of us, you know, put things off or, oh, that can wait or, you know, just maybe we're not disciplined enough. If we get more discipline in our life, then the things can get taken care of maybe easier, more efficiently, having that time with God, making sure, letting Him direct us and show us the best way to do things. And I believe, you know, she hasn't complained because she loved this. It was in her heart to do all of this stuff. I believe that. You know, when you love something, like Pastor says, when, when couples are courting or dating, that guy will spend all that money on those roses that are just going to die and get her a big teddy bear at the fair that she's probably going to throw away anyway because nobody really likes to keep teddy bears. But he doesn't care because he loves her. So if we can get it in our heart to love what God has, has laid out for us to do, you know, it excites me now that I have more of a love for folding laundry. I mean, that sounds kind of silly maybe, but, you know, there's a joy that comes when you know you're pleasing your Jesus, when you know you're taking care of, of what he's asked you to take care of, when you know you're, when, like this humble confidence, you know you're right with God. You know that things are taken care of because you're doing it. That's a blessing. I thank God that this is in here. So I believe she hasn't complained because she's loved it. It's in her heart. She wanted to do all of these things. You know, in this here, it says, Her candle goeth not out by night. Again, just because it's nighttime doesn't mean it's time for bed. You know, there's still things that can be done. You know, you put your kids down and, Oh, I'm just going to lay on the couch and watch some TV. Well, there are still things to be done. You know, the discipline we talked about, the meals, you know, use that time to make your kids lunches for tomorrow. Maybe lay out their school clothes so that the morning can be more efficient. Because if you are a working mom, that, that time that you have with your babies in the morning is precious. You don't want to use it running around frantically trying to, oh, where's your other shoe? Where's the black socks? We need the black socks. Where's that other black sock? If you prepare all that stuff the night before and use that time, then things can run smoother. You know, you can maybe laugh with your kids in the morning. You can pray with your kids in the morning. You're not running around, you know, as we say, like a chicken with your head chopped off, just trying to get out the door on time so that they don't miss the bus or they're not late for school or you're not late for work. So just because it's nighttime doesn't mean it's time for us to go to bed. We can use that time to prepare for the next day so that things can run smoother. You know, maybe that morning you only got to spend 15 minutes in prayer. You know, take an extra 30 before you go to bed. You know, there's no set time limit on how long you spend in God's Word and in prayer, but the more the better. Because the more of that that's in us, the more rare we are, the better efficient we are, the more of a blessing we are to our family and the rest of the people around us. You know, it's not just TV time when you lay your kids down to go to bed. You know, maybe an extra project, you know, something that 
like this woman, she considered a new field before she bought it. Maybe that's your extra time to do something extra for your family. You know, like Miss Janet, she cans. Maybe you're a woman and, and you can. You can some things in the evening or just an extra project that you could pick up. So just because it's nighttime, her candle doesn't go out. She doesn't just hop in bed because the sun went down. Back to our curriculum here, it says, What a tremendous honor for the daughter of God that he would so clearly spell out what a godly woman looks like. And if this passage of scripture is God's expectation, then any woman aspiring to rise to this standard can expect God's grace and ability to help her get there. And that's exactly what we should aspire to do. The Lord help me. I mean, if you're like me, there are several things in here that you say, oh me, Lord help me to get that better working in my life or help me to start that working in my life. Or you're a single person, say, maybe you say, Lord, maybe I need to wait a little bit to get married. <laughs> that's a lot of work, but help my heart to be ready for it. I am. Let me prepare now to be disciplined, to have that working in my life so that when I do get married, when we do have babies, that all of this is already a regular staple in my life. I, I already have a good diet food-wise. I already have a good diet spiritually because I, I make that a priority in my life. You know, I'm disciplined. I, I learn to say no to people when it's too much for me. You know, there's a lot of power in the, word, the little word no. But it, it just brings a whole new joy, I think, as a woman to, to be able to see and be taught this is what God wants from us. This is what pleases Him. This is what will be a blessing to our families. So we can take it and we can apply it and he can help us. And we will pick up where we left off next week. Thanks.